Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi guys, welcome back to Not Basic Blonde podcast. And have you ever wondered who stands behind beautiful nails of all the celebrities on the red carpet and on Oscar events? Well, Deborah Lipman does. She is a celebrity manicurist and she's a singer. She also has her line. It's nail polishes and nail care line. It's called Deborah Lipman. You probably used it before. So in this episode, you will find out how she became famous and all the behind the scenes on working with celebrities like Caitlyn Jenner and others. I'm so delighted and honored to have you on my podcast. Thank you. I'm honored to be here. Oh, thank you so much. Let's get it started. Would you please tell our listeners about yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Deborah Lipman, and I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. And I went to school. My early, early, early love was music. Um, very, very early in my life, I was like the president of uh, Coral Letterman. I was in plays as a in grade school. I went to college and got a degree in music. It was my number one, uh, number one passion. Thank you. And. Um, uh, when I finished school, when I finished college and got a, after having like a history of performing professionally and, and all the, you know, college things and high school things and performing in plays and, and in clubs all over Arizona, um, I really realized that I wanted to, um, I finished college, I have this degree, I'm singing, I'm working, I'm making some money, but it really was like, got to a certain point where I thought, wow, I don't want um, to have to sing weddings or mitzvahs every weekend to 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 um to do my music I want to do the kind of music that I really love and so I thought I'm gonna have to get like a day job and so I um went and applied to be a waitress um which was my first mistake and um I prior to then I had never well actually to be honest prior to coronavirus I had never um cooked (laughs) anything in my life. I was never a cook. It wasn't my gift in the kitchen, being in the kitchen or doing anything domestic, definitely not my gift. Um, So when I went to, when I got my first job waiting tables, like on the first or second day, I literally dropped a plate of red pasta on a woman with gorgeous blonde hair wearing all white. So as the red pasta dripped down her entire outfit, 
and I looked at my boss and he motioned for me to go home. Um, I got it. I got it. This was not my gift. And uh, so I had to kind of look around and go, okay, what other what other things do I love? What How else can I pay the bills? Because music was my biggest passion. And so I started thinking about beauty. And um, I had been, I had gone to college. My mom had you know, we was we were not a well-to-do family. My mom did everything in her power to get me through college to um, follow my dream. So imagine that a year into um, this being through with college, I call my mother and say, hey, I know what I'm going to do for my day job. I'm going to go to cosmetology school. And bless her heart, she said to me, no, you won't. And it became a whole thing. We went to a whole thing, cut to, I eventually did go to cosmetology school. It did end up being like, um, I wound up while I was in cosmetology school, um, falling into manicuring because, um, although I loved all the other things, I realized that at the time I was singing, I was still singing six nights a week. So I was going to cosmetology during the day and then singing six nights a week. So on my feet for four hours a night in high heels and my, feet were killing me and I was you know and just out of college so I was pretty young to be in you know suffering that like that and I thought this I can't do this forever and and the guy there was a guy doing my nails um professionally at the time and he said why don't you just do manicuring you can sit down all day long hold hands with people talk you know communicate have a great time and then stand up on your high heels at night and sing and that is literally how I wound up finalizing and being a nail technician just random prior to my going to cosmetology school I had um, bitten my nails as a kid all the way through um, all the way through high school and into college until I got my very first paid performing job and when I got that job we got into the dress dress rehearsal and I had I was a nail biter like down to the nub my whole life couldn't my mom could never get me to stop I tried and tried and tried and couldn't stop so I was in these. I was uh, in a dress rehearsal for this uh, concert with big, fancy, glitzy, Vegasy costumes with rhinestones and feathers. And I picked up the microphone with this these nails that were bitten down to the nub. And the and the director was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" And this is in the '80s. So does that age me at all? Um, so this was in the '80s. So the next day, the the director took me to a manicure salon, and he. Um, had a set of um, at the time that we were they were still doing porcelain nails that were made out of porcelain and dental equipment that was before acrylics before gel before any of those things were were formed it was like porcelain nails so I put the had these nails put on me and the minute my nails were done my back went straight my chest stood out my head was held high. I lifted my hands and used them like a, a girl that was proud of her hands for the first time because I looked feminine. And I, it really, really, I had this, you know, as Oprah would say, this aha moment where I was like, wow, my hands are in front of my own face, you know, all day long. I see them. I had no idea how much shame had been attached. I knew I was embarrassed of biting my nails. I knew it wasn't good. I tried many, many times to quit. But it wasn't until I had beautiful nails, albeit fake, that I realized the impact that it had on people. And so um, I, so cut to I'm in I'm in nail school. A couple of years later, I'm in cosmetology school, and I decide to um, specialize in nails. I had never done my own nails 
because I had never had nails. So I had never really held a file or for sure held a cuticle nipper or pushed back. I'd never done any of it. So it was, you know, I would have been way ahead of the ball doing, um, doing skin or doing makeup or doing hair because those things I did, but I never took care of my nails. So I was starting at a real novice. So the fact that this is turned into what it has turned into in my life is, um, you know, God was definitely at the helm directing, directing the steps. So I moved to New York in the early nineties to pursue music. Um, uh, when I, uh, started, um, uh, I, I moved here, I got a job at a fancy salon in Bergdorf Goodman at Frederick Fakai. And, um, I started having all these amazing clients like Martha Stewart and, um, Sigourney Weaver and, um, Kim Basinger. And it was just like, celebrity after celebrity after celebrity and just I just started accruing this um unbelievable unbelievable customer base of like not only not only not only celebrities but like women who were like heads of fortune 500 companies and women who knew everything about everything but one thing that happened is when they sat in my chair these people who you know I would look up to as being you know oh I I, I dare not even to speak because you are a, a genius when I, I, you know, I'd be like really careful with how I spoke and what I said because I didn't want to seem, you know, like I was on their level because I knew I wasn't until, you know, in terms of culture and all that. And um, I realized that in sitting in my chair, we were all, we were all, I was actually in a little bit more of a power position because women, and not that I wanted to be in a power position, but women I learned over and over and over again that even the fanciest women with all of the um, assets in the world, with all of the access to everything in the world, didn't understand nail care. They could sit in the chair with um, Frederick Fakai, who at the time was the world's premier celebrity hairdresser. I mean, that salon was like everywhere you looked was a celebrity or a, um, you know, I live in New York, so or a New York influencer or a beauty editors or fashion editors. I mean, everybody, came. it was a, it was a moment in time. It was like probably what shampoo was like for Warren Beatty, like that movie. Um, it was this incredible, incredible place. But I realized that, wow, none of these women understand nail care. Like they would sit down and be, um, um, don't cut my cuticles, but then ask me to cut their cuticles like when it came time to cut their cuticles. Well, no, aren't you going to get that? Aren't you going to get that? Aren't you going to get that? And I'm well, well, if I am doing that, I'm cutting your cuticles. I prefer to cut, just trim the hangnail and push them back well. Um, um, they would, uh, at the time, there was a really popular uh, product on the market that um, actually formaldehyde was still in nail polish. Formaldehyde, toluene, phthalates, like healthy nail polish hadn't become a trend. And so the nail polish women would come in and and give me it was just at the beginning of things starting to change and people hearing that formaldehyde was bad for them and they didn't want to have it they would see it in ads over and over again they would bring in a product that um the lead ingredient in it was formaldehyde and people were using it as a base coat and top coat it was like the most popular product in the nail world and everybody liked it because it stayed on your nail and it helped your nails to grow but there started being all this backlash that maybe it was, you know, problematic and maybe they shouldn't be having it in. So they would come in, have hand me this base coat and top coat that came out of their purse, which um, and then say, I certainly hope the polish you hear at Fred, use here at Frederick Fakai is formaldehyde free. And I would think, well, it is, but you're having me put 
formaldehyde directly on your nail plate, which is where it can go into your system. So I just, you know, not as a judgment, it was just sort of like, oh my gosh, no one understands. Wow, this person, like nobody, smart, 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 smart women. And so then I was, um, I was in Bergdorf Goodman, who, if you know, Bergdorf Goodman is like one of, like a one of a kind specialty store. And um, the salon was in Bergdorf Goodman. So if I were to, if women were to say to me at the end of a manicure, okay, what should I go and get? Um, you know, what should I have? I want to have all my own supplies. I want to get better at this. I want to, you know, know what to bring. I want to bring my own tools, things like that. I started to realize there was nowhere in a store like Bergdorf Goodman or Neiman Marcus or any luxury uh, place that there were, there, there was a whole counter where you could get anything for your nails. You could go to Chanel and get their new colors for the season or Dior and get their new colors for the season. But Nobody had polish remover. Nobody had um, nobody had an, uh, a cuticle pusher. Nobody had a cuticle remover. You know, there was no dedicated space for a luxury customer, and that's where my idea to start the line, the my nail line, began. And it was in the early. I moved here. I moved to New York in the early nineties, like ninety two, I think. And um, so within those first two years or so that I was at Bakai. Um, this the idea started bubbling up. Now, at the same time, I had started doing, um, while I was there, I started being called to work on photo shoots, which was something I had never even heard of, let alone known that I would become a huge part of the industry years later. But it was um, this where, you know, I would look at a magazine. It never occurred to me that the person in the magazine had had to have her hair and makeup and nails done and her clothing styled and a photographer, photographer. Like I never thought about where the picture came from. It was not in my world. So I started being um, asked because the clients that I were doing at Frederick Akai were editors. They started calling me when they saw how I did a manicure. They would start calling me, calling the salon and saying, can we have Deborah to do this photo shoot? So I was like, I mean, I was almost like this. Is, I'd been doing nails at this point for 15, 10, 10 years, a good 10 years. I felt like when I did my first photo shoots, I felt like I did my first couple of months of actually doing nails in a salon, like like just pouring sweat down my body the whole time, trying to make sure I did the steps right and that I could polish correctly and that I would hit the whole nail and that everything would be executed properly. I was so nervous in the beginning, no matter how, you know, it just takes practice till you get good at it. So I was back to basics, like 10 years into it and starting to do photo shoots, I was like back to basics of going, oh my gosh, I have no idea who to talk to. I have no idea who to, who's supposed to give me direction. I have no idea who the model is because the models looked like the stylists and the stylists looked like the, the, like the hairdressers and makeup artists were as beautiful as the models. And I was like, who, sometimes a photographer, you know, it was like, who is the model and who am I supposed to work on and how do I work on them? Like, what am I supposed to do in the early days? Everyone would tell me what to do. They would say, use this sort of a color, use this sort of a color, use that sort of a color. And, um, at a certain point, um, I don't even really know how this happened, but people, the people, the powers that be started calling me into the hair and uh, makeup meetings and saying, you know, what's your opinion on this is kind of what our, our direction is. This is our mood board. This is, you know, kind of the kind of girl we want her to be here. Here's the wardrobe. You know, what do you think the colors should be? And then I got to start weighing in on that. And that was just like mind boggling um, to a girl from Arizona who you know, cowboys and Indians, as it was thought of it back in the day. Um, so, you know, just sort of gradually started coming up the coming up the 
coming up the lines, I guess, of, you know, being just a manicurist, someone who was never looked at or talked to, to a manicurist who was like, hey, I kind of think that maybe this color. And then as I started to learn light um, in in a studio and light when we were outdoors and how a color was going to come out on the page once it was done, like sometimes I'd be like, oh, I think that you know, we don't really do you, you don't want, you don't want the nails to be the focus of the shot, right? So maybe we don't do a stark white, maybe we soften it with, or, you know, maybe this, you know, whatever it is, it was like, I start to be, you know, know more about what I was doing and be able to see and have a vision of like, oh, this might be a mistake, or how about this instead? Or what about some, you know, nail art way back in the day? What, um, there were things that I was just, I wasn't, afraid to try new things and I wasn't afraid well I'm always afraid to try new things but I'm also game to try new things but there's always there's always a bit of like oh my gosh what am I doing um whenever I'm doing anything new uh which is I think part of what keeps keeps me fresh um uh, I was doing the nails in the salon I was doing the nails of Bobby Brown she was one of the early people that I met when I moved to New York she had her her brand of lipsticks had just launched in Bergdorf and they were like what was it eight lipsticks or something and she still did makeup occasionally up in the Frederick High Salon. Now, I had just moved here from from uh, Arizona. I had no idea who Bobby Brown was. I knew nothing about an editorial manicure makeup artist. This is before I had started doing any shoots. And she had a manicure with me, and she flipped out over it. And she called Allure magazine, and she said, there's a new manicurist in town, and you have to come in and check her out. And so they, I didn't know that she did that. Um, she set it up with the salon, and Allure came in, and they checked me out, and first year I was in New York, they came in and photographed me to be in the directory in, um, in Allure magazine in May, like I was not even here a year. And so that put me in a place where celebrities, um, especially celebrity, well, celebrities assistants were always looking for, you know, new talent, new talent, new talent, checking out who's the new facialist, who's the new hair, whatever. And so then I started getting calls from a lot of celebrities. So my book just start it just start it just happened it wasn't like I was trying to make it happen it was just falling I couldn't have even I couldn't have made up this story in advance and tried to execute it because I didn't even know what was possible in my world I'm so fascinated by your story Deborah. and which celebrities have you worked with oh my goodness um that is uh that the the shorter story I don't want this to sound bad, but the shorter story is who I who have I not worked with, which would be that I want to work with anyway. Barbara Streisand, who actually is on my I never want to work with her. I just want her to sit on her pedestal forever. But I've never worked with Barbara Streisand, but I'm never going to. I've been asked to and I've said no because she's my hero. Um, Michelle Obama, I would love to work with Queen Elizabeth. I would love to work with. I've worked with everybody. Lady Gaga, Mariah Carey, uh, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, um, Kerry Washington. Uh, I mean, I will sit and look at People magazine, and when they do like a lineup of 10 people on the red carpet, they'll rarely be somebody on the red carpet that I haven't done their nails. I've been doing it for a very long time now, you know, like many, many years. So, um, uh, I've been flown to Paris to do somebody's nails. I've been flown to Canada to do somebody's nails. I've been flown to Vegas. I've been, uh, I've traveled um, to Amsterdam to do nails for photo shoots. I've traveled to Paris. Um, I do fashion runway shows. Uh, 
I've worked with Karl Lagerfeld um, on runway campaigns and uh, on uh, for Chanel and for when he had his Karl Lagerfeld brand and photo shoots with him as a photographer, photo shoots where he's in it. Um, I'm just in, incredibly, incredibly blessed. One of my other wonderful things um, that I consider a um, uh, special about my the way my career has rolled is that I have manicured the nails of at least 10 people the day they won their Oscar. I mean, that's that's really, I, I every year I go, okay, I'm done. And then the next year I get all excited about, you know, award season again. We'll see what happens this year. But I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't, I can't do any better than this. Like it can't be, it can't be a more special experience than this. And it just always is. It's like, you know, when, uh, when any of you, when any of us ask any, anyone to be in our wedding party, it's like that special to be in the room with someone on their most special day. Um, but for award season, you're with them for months leading up to it. It's like, you're really part of this, um, thing that just starts to go like a, like a train that starts to go like a bullet train and you're part of it. And it's every day and several times a day, new colors, new looks, new fashion, new, it's incredible. I'm really, really, really blessed. And, um, yeah, like Kate Winslet. Um, my gosh, I'm gonna start thinking through Hillary Swank, Reese Witherspoon, Common. Uh, when he won his Oscar a few years ago, that was that was like a really great one. Laura Dern this year. Um, let's see. Um, I mean, it really. My list of celebrities that I've worked with is pretty monumental. Caitlyn Jenner went when she was doing her reveal for Vanity Fair. That was quite an extraordinary time before anyone knew that she was really, really coming out. I spent two days in her home getting to know her. We're now actually friends. Um, I'm, I'm just so, so blessed. My career has just turned into like this incredible, incredible blessing. Wow. It's just wonderful. And as far as celebrities, are they usually humble people or they're hard to work with? Um, I would say that, you know, we are all, if you meet me today, I might be really nice and tomorrow I might be in a bad mood or the next day I might have a stomach cramp. You know, any day you meet somebody, they're going to be in a different mood and be in a different situation. Um, so I never, I, first of all, I try never to judge anyone because I have plenty of my own moods. Um, I would, I would, I would say just right up, you know, if I wanted to just be you know, just kind of just answer the question, I would say most of them are very, very, very nice. Um, they are there to do a job. They're there to promote them a film or a music or something that they believe in. They want a picture to turn out well. They want to, their red carpet to turn out well. You know, no, they're not, you know, sometimes are they under a inordinate amount of stress? Yes. Um, am I having to work with while I'm sitting underneath a table while someone else is doing the hair and someone else is doing the makeup and we have to work as a team and I have to make sure I'm not moving their hand while the makeup artist is sticking a, pan, a brush in their eye? Um, can someone make a mistake and can the celebrity get upset if they get poked in the eye or their cuticle gets clipped or their hair gets burned? Yeah, I mean, they're human. Um, are they mean? Um, not, not, in, not in my not in my experience. Very, very few. I've had fewer stories that I could tell about that, which I, of course I won't, but, um, but I could, no, I won't. <laughs> no, most of the stories I would tell you are just so positive. I mean, let me tell you this when I launched my, well, I'll tell you when we get to the next story. 
Did you have any funny or crazy stories happening to you before? Yeah. Okay. So let me go back to Caitlyn Jenner because this was um, this was kind of a this was a crazy story. So usually how this works is a magazine or a publicist or a manager or a personal assistant will reach out to I have an agent will reach out to my agent and basically they just say we would like Deborah's time on um, you know May fifth, sixth, or seventh <clears throat> um, from nine to twelve or from twelve in the morning to 12, uh, you know, 24 hours or, you know, they, they ask for, you know, what they think is going to be the amount of time. And then they say what the job is for. So someone from a magazine, so we knew what the magazine was called my agent and said, or emailed my agent just said, I need Deborah's time for a non-disclosed shoot for a non-disclosed location for a non-disclosed celebrity. And my agent just doing her job was like, well, you have to disclose something or how do I know that Deborah wants to do it? Cause that's how they operate. And, um, she was like, I can't tell you anything. Can't tell you anything. Can't tell you anything. It's not going to be in New York. I can tell you that. We'll fly her where it is. She'll have a hotel. I'll tell you that. That's all you're going to know. So um, I, a couple of days before the shoot, I was with, uh, with one of the people that was going to be on uh, I was working on another shoot for, for it was this was a Vanity Fair project years ago. Um, I was going to be I, I was on a shoot with the with a producer and she took me by the hand. She I had agreed to do the shoot. I said to my agent, you know what? I trust them. They're they wouldn't be going through all of this if if it wasn't something they really needed me on for some reason, because a lot of people call me the secret weapon because I um, although in my personal life, I have a lot of I show my stress when I'm on set. I'm very I have a very calming motherly um, energy and I and I feel my place on set is to be the person who is always a service person. I'm always there, not only just to do the nails, but to, um, but to absolutely, uh, keep the, keep the person, the client that I'm working on calm and to keep the photographer calm and to keep, you know, try to keep peace as much as I can if people are getting stressed about anything. So I knew that, I knew that this producer had some big reason that she wanted me. And so I agreed to do it having zero idea where I was going when I was like, whatever. And I saw her about two days before we were going to do the shoot. And she said, she took me by the hand. She said, did you watch television last night? And she absolutely knew that I had not watched television because of something that was going on in my life. And I was like, no. And she took my hands and she started pressing on my nails. And she was like, you didn't see, you didn't have television on last night. And I was looking at her going, you know, I didn't have television on last night. And then she was like, okay, and she's rubbing my nails and rubbing my nails and looking at me really lovingly, but she couldn't talk about whatever she was trying to talk about. And I was like, okay, I stepped away from her and I'm like, she's trying to give me a hint. And then I thought, well, what was on television last night? And then I thought, oh my gosh, the Diane Sawyer, Caitlyn, Diane Sawyer, Caitlyn Jenner interview. And I was like, oh my God, it's Caitlyn Jenner. We're going to do Caitlyn Jenner. And then I got like, excited and scared but it helped me because you know I need to be able to prepare my nail kit I need to be like to do the nails of a man's hand and I assumed that I was going to have to put um, an artificial extension or be prepared at least to put an artificial extension on you need to have the right products and I do try to carry everything with me but let me tell you nail polish is heavy and nail products are heavy and my 
I have one ba- suitcase that I call my Gaga bag, which is my bag that has every kind of nail art in the world, every kind of tip in the world, every kind of acrylic and gel and everything. Um, but even in that bag, in, in the case of this particular shoot, I needed like three bags to make sure that I had everything that I could possibly need in the moment because I wouldn't know in advance and I wouldn't be able to measure her hands for tips and all of these things. So we got to the, um, I got to LA Nobody and nobody confirmed that that's who it was. I just assumed that's who it was. I get to LA and like midnight, um, jump in the shower. I have no a, a message from the hotel. Um, you need to be up and ready to go downstairs 5 a.m. And we get downstairs. I didn't know who else was on the on the shoot because there was no call sheet. It was this big, huge mystery. And then luckily the people doing hair and makeup, it turns out we get in the lobby and it's like two of my best, best um, collaborators. And we all get in separate cars with police escorts driving us up into the middle of nowhere um, not able to like darkened windows, like we were, um, <laughs> like we were with secret service or something. I mean, they were like secret service. They had things in their ears and they were talking to each other. And then they were trying to, they were trying to make sure they weren't being followed anywhere. It was like, we were in like a crazy, it was, I mean, I have a million of these stories and then we eventually, and I still am not sure where we're going. None of us are. And then we get up to this in the middle of nowhere in, in Nowheresville, up the top of this mountain in the middle of Nowheresville, where there are no houses but one. We get out and we walk into the house. Still no one is telling us anything. We walk up the stairs and we are standing face to face with Bruce Jenner before he was even named Caitlin. But he was opening up my world about humans and about change and about um, uh you know, what, what the world, how the world has changed, you know, my, my little nieces and nephews like see transgender and people that are, um, uh, all of, you know, coming up just as who they are and able to be who they are. And they're just normal with it. But for older people, it was like, there's still, there was still from, for me, there was still a stigma attached and it was such an incredible learning and opening lesson for me. It was just really, I will always, always, always thank um, Catherine McLeod and Annie Leibovitz and um, Vanity Fair for trusting me to be in that space and um, uh, making, helping them making the choices on how to make her hands look like she will feel like they're beautiful. She will feel like they're feminine, but she's an Olympic medal athlete. She's got huge hands. So it was, um, it was, uh, you know, always trying to make somebody feel beautiful, no matter who they are, no matter where they are. It just, I always, it always comes back to that for me and, um, how happy I am when they're, when they're happy. So. Wow. That's amazing. I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. What a great story. Thank you. Yeah, it was great. I'm very, very grateful. And I mean, we're, we're friends today. She gave me a, a bracelet. She gave me a bracelet to remember her by with like eight eight of her girlfriends. I mean, she invited me to a couple parties at her house where I was one of three um, non-transgender women uh, or just non-transgenders. And she, she really welcomed me into her world. It was, it was, you know, I've had these experiences that I just can't imagine how they would happen in any other way. Wow. Have you ever dreamed about that you will do such a thing like that you will be celebrity manicurist no, I dreamed that I would be a professional singer, you know, and because I'm a performer, um, 
I, I really understand what performers are going through when they're getting ready for whether it's to be on a cover, whether it's to go on stage, whether it's to be on a red carpet. Um, uh, and it was difficult for me in the beginning because I st started seeing, you know, when I moved to New York, I was singing every night and when, and I was doing nails during the day, which I'd been doing for years in Arizona. And when my career started just exploding as a manicurist, it was like, okay, God, where are you? I have to pay attention to this, but I, I thought, I thought your dream for me, I thought, I thought I was going to be a, you know, a professional singer. So, um, how I decided decided to start my own line was, um, as I was telling you in that long-winded story at the beginning, I um, really started looking at, you know, the the fact that women couldn't buy any of the products that they needed and going, wow, there's this, you know, I feel so frustrated that, you know, women have to go to a beauty supply and then get things that are for professional and they're not beautiful. I mean, if you're buying Dior cosmetics and if you're buying... Um, Chanel cosmetics, you you want your nail products to look beautiful as well. You don't want them to look like, you know, crappy salon products or, you know, just not nothing where any kind of visual was put in. And so um, I had Bobby Brown was encouraging me to do my own line. At the time, I had been uh, working a lot in editorial and I was working with a gal named Laura Mercier, who um, has an incredible beauty line as well. She had just launched it when I met her or she launched it during the time that I met her. And then it was kind it was in the days that everybody, that all of these um, kind of people who specialized in an art form were launching their own brands. And I just thought, well, I don't want to launch my own brand. I think someone should launch a brand that does this, but I like, I didn't go to business school. I am a singer. I sing at night, like, you know, in clubs, I don't understand. I, I have no idea what to do, but it was just so deep in my, um, in the bottom of my belly were all of these, why had I been asking these questions all these years? Why had I spent 20 years at this point doing, maybe not quite 20, maybe cl actually close to 20, um, 15, doing nails and hearing people talk about color and how they didn't understand it and colors that they were missing and all of the people that I worked with would be like, oh, I wish there was a color that looked like this. Oh, I wish there was a color that looked like this. And there were such, I thought, wow, why isn't there, why isn't there this line? Why isn't there this line? And then I had people saying to me, people who had created their own line saying, you should do this line, you should do this line, you should do this line. And I fought myself on it for several years. And then I remember uh, standing with my friend, um, one of my best friends, Loretta, who I'd been bouncing the idea off for a good year. And we were standing in CO Bigelow in New York, which is my famous, my favorite pharmacy and we were looking at cosmetics and I said, you know, Loretta, if I were to ever do my own line, um, you know, see how this looks like this, I would do it like this or like that. And I'd been doing this to her for like two years. And she looked at me, we were eyeball to eyeball. We were like shoulder to shoulder in this, in this crowded, crowded apothecary. And she looked at me, she goes, either do the line or shut up about it. And I looked at her and I was like, like stunned and, you know, like almost crying stunned and then a couple days later I was with Mariah Carey and she pretty much said the same thing I say I say that she stuck her big old high heel in my rear end and just gave me the courage to do it because I had been making for Mariah I had been making custom colors for her just for fun and she loved the colors that I was making but I didn't go to art school I could you know couldn't have told you at the time like what what is a palette, where does red go opposite of yellow, opposite of, you know, how does that all, all that work? I would have had, I had no idea. Everything was done from my gut. 
and from my years of experience working as a professional. And so I think that's one of the reasons that, um, well, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I think that's one of the reasons for the success of the brand that it's not, um, it was it was formed by somebody coming from a completely different um, mind space. I think you just had a talent. You were just born with it. <laughs> I guess since I worked on this video with, with Lady Gaga, um, I guess I was born this way. <laughs> yeah, totally. And would you please tell us more about your nail polish? What was the main purpose? Okay. Happy to do that. My main focus was to... Um, help women to understand how to do, how to do their nails and how to I made a healthier nail polish that um, we are we've continued over the 21 years that we've been in business now um, we continue season by season year by year looking at the ingredients that are out there in the market fighting uh, fighting with fighting um, together with our la our lab to create things that are healthier better for you um, different, um, exciting. So, uh, my, my brand has really, the, the formula has really evolved over the years as technology has evolved over the years. And we have moved forward with the technology, um, constantly. And now we have our current formula is actually a double patented formula that, um, won the best of beauty and allure magazine for the best nail polish formula. Not the best red, not the best pink. We've won those awards a lot of time, and not to not to sound ungrateful, I'm very, very, very grateful for any award that we win. But the um, fact that our polish won the best nail polish formula, which means that it stays on the longest, it dries the fastest, it goes on the easiest. Those are my, those are my big, and it's the shiniest. Those are my big, uh, big, big, big goals. So. We've changed the brush over the year. We have um, made a custom brush. We have a custom bottle. I wanted the bottle to be beautiful. I wanted you to feel like it was um, a special bottle so that you would want to keep it out on your vanity because especially for the treatment products like the cuticle products, if you put them in the back of your cosmetics drawer, then often that's where they stay. So I wanted them to... Um, uh, wanted the bottle, wanted to make the bottle special and luxe so that you'd want to keep it out so that you would then really keep up with your nail care. And my ultimate goal was that women would be able to really learn how to do their nails if in a pinch and, or if they just wanted to. And what's amazing about this time in, uh, in history is that, um, women are doing their own nails right now during this, uh, this time that we're in more than they ever, ever, ever had. And it's giving me so much joy to see, you know, to see people on on social media or on television or whatever saying, wow, I never knew I could do this myself. I mean, everybody's doing their own hair color because they're desperate. And I never thought I could do my own hair color. I actually did my own hair color. I'm not saying I'm as good as my colorist because that ain't the case. But um, I was so satisfying to be able to finish it. And over the over the years that I've been in business, I've done I do a lot of master classes where I sit with like a group of maybe 20 or 40 women or what, whatever the group is and teach them from start to finish how to do their manicure, both hands start to finish. And I'm telling you, there is nothing. I don't know if there's anything that brings me more joy than the end of those classes when women, whether they've done a perfect job or a halfway job or just that they made it through the class and didn't leave in frustration or didn't cut themselves and make themselves bleed and or at least understood the concepts. Like 
they were so happy at the end. Women are so happy at the end of these things. I'm like, wow, this is something that we should be doing as our own therapy. It is in its in its own way, um, your therapy, your doing something good for yourself, you're doing something healthy for yourself, you're doing something that you're going to be proud of how your hands look and your hands are in front of your own face all day long. They're a constant reminder of whether you're taking care of yourself or not taking care of yourself. And going back to those days in the, in the salon, when I would have a, a client come in whose nails were, you know, maybe she hadn't had a manicure in a super long time. And she would say, oh my gosh, I just feel terrible. It's like a horrible day and her shoulders are hunched over and breathing heavy. And I would make it my goal during that manicure, not only to give her a great manicure, but to change the way she was breathing, to change the way she, uh, the energy was going in her day. And this is before I really knew anything about energy and how it worked. It was just something instinctual to me. And the joy that it gave me at the end of a manicure, not only to see her nails looking good, but to see her shoulders go upright, her neck go upright, her posture, her breathing. And that takes me back to the very first time that I had my nails done. That's that's how I felt. And so that has been something that has been um, my goal all the time. And so when, uh, when women are doing their nails, I want them to feel that way when they're finished doing their own nails, whether they are perfect the first time, because most likely they're not, um, or whether they just feel like, wow, this is, this is something that I can do. It's going to take practice, but I like it. I feel it's like when you cook something for the first time and it turns out and you're like, oh my gosh, who knew I could do this? Yeah. Nails are very important. And when I get my nails done, I feel like I'm totally new person. And right now, yeah, and right now everybody's getting their nails done at home and so many products are sold out everywhere. And growing up in Russia, I used to do my own nails till about I was 17 when I got my first job and I could actually go and get them done. But before I used to do them myself, I used to even do like designs and everything else because my mom used to be like so creative with nails. And she taught me how to do all the designs and how to make oh, them look amazing. really pretty. Amazing. And doesn't don't you feel fabulous when you do it and it's your work? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I think I think, um, I think a lot of people from from what I'm gathering from from my clients and from my customers, I'm really gathering that people are especially because everybody has a lot of time right now. I mean, the majority of people, not everybody, but some people have a lot of time so they can actually focus on doing a good job, doing the manicure well. And so when they finish it, they're like, oh, wow, I love how this feels. Oh my gosh, I can do this. I think I'm going to keep doing it. I'm doing it with my daughters. I'm doing it with my best girlfriend. Um, I'm doing yeah. it, you know, Ben and I are giving each other manicures and, and over a glass of wine or whatever. It's. I think um, it'll be interesting to see how many people keep, doing keep up this practice when it's when it's all when we're back to uh when we're back to whatever our new normal abnormal normal is going to be um so yeah yeah and your bottles are definitely cute but besides all the cute bottles you have Um, your names are very unique how do you come up with the names for nail polishes okay are you ready they're all song titles because i'm a singer they are all song titles. So whether um, some of the songs you may know, some of the songs you may not know, some of the uh, if if you do know the name of a song, um, if you do know a song like "Cake by the Ocean" is a popular pink. Um, when that song came out, and we were making a a, a a 
pink that looked like a, to me, cake icing. Um, we came up with that name. And so when people go to my counter, if they, if they don't know, like, did you know that my names were song titles? No, I didn't. I just knew they were really cute yeah. names. <laughs> so a lot of people don't know, and that's fine. doesn't matter. But you hopefully think that the names are cute. And hopefully it brings and evokes emotion in you of some, of some kind rather than, you know, polish number one, polish number two, polish number three. Um, and also, if you know the song, now that you know... Now that you know that the, that they're song titles, you might pick up a bottle and go, oh, my gosh, I know that song and start singing the song and go, oh, my gosh, I have to have it. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, that that's true. <laughs> I did a collaboration with Mary J. Blige uh, years ago. I did a lot of celebrity collaborations um, in the early days. Um, and we one of her biggest, biggest songs was called No More Drama. And so I would um, get emails from people and tweets from people on Sunday night saying, hey, I had a stressful week last week. I'm not going to have a stressful week this week. So I am wearing I'm putting on no more drama on my nails so that I don't have any drama this week. And I was like, wow, that's so like another level of what I even thought people would you know, think of with these names. So the, the other thing that's kind of was, this was also a, kind of a God thing. I just wanted to create something that was different, hadn't been done before, and that was personal to me. And that's how I came up with song titles. Creating these things, uh, um, people have learned that I'm a singer. People started learning that I'm a singer. I still sing professionally. I just sang on someone's album that's about to come out. I have three albums of my own that are on iTunes. I have an iTunes channel with my name on it. Um, you can buy my records on iTunes. There's a Spotify channel and a Pandora channel. My music dream has come true. I'm able to perform. I've sung the national anthem at uh, umpteen Knicks games at Madison Square Garden. I sang the national anthem at a Minnesota Twins baseball game with like 28 or 30,000 people a couple of summers ago. Um, I uh, record on other people's albums. I perform in clubs. Um, I don't do it all day every day, uh, but I do do it quite a bit. I play the piano and sing every day since I've been in quarantine. Anyway, I'm back to that, which is great. Um, and um, so in a way, all my dreams came true. Both of my dreams came true and not the way that anybody else's. No, it was not a plan of mine. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't some clever ploy to become a singer by naming my nail, starting a nail polish brand and naming the colors song titles. It was all... Um, I think from my higher power. Wow. But you know, sometimes I do choose the color by the name. If I love the name and I'm kind of like superstitious about it, like some of the cool names, I was like, okay, I'm going to pick this color. I agree. Yeah. And what trends do you rely on when you're choosing colors for your collection? Uh, for sure, fashion. So I, I work still as an editorial manicurist. So I work on, well, we'll see what happens when this is all over. But, um, I work um, with fashion designers. I work with people when they, I work on their um, collections, when they are shooting their campaigns. I work on runway shows. So I get to see and feel and touch the fabrics and see the color palettes. And um, a lot of the designers that I've worked with over the years, I can really see in my work. I can see in the way that I see color that um, it came from the way they see, co see color. I, you know, like I've, wor I've worked for a zillion years with Donna Karen. I started doing taupes and beiges. I mean, not that I would make them as gorgeous as her, but I could see her inspiration within my color palette. I work with Narcisa Rodriguez. I see my, I see colors that I would have never 
created before had I not worked with him, had I not seen the vision for for color that he has. Uh, and I work with Brandon Maxwell and, uh, uh, I mean, I work with so many designers, Badgley Mishka, and as I said, you know, Karl Lagerfeld and Rodarte, and I mean, designers from all, all aspects of the planet, all kinds of fashion. So I see what they're doing. I actually can, you know, sit with the designers of Rodarte and say, what colors do you see working with your collection? And I can, you know, I get that one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not looking at trend books. I'm not looking at trend fashion books. I'm not looking at um, things that, you know, people in large corporations look at. It's all one-on-one -on -one, um, from the gut feelings. Sometimes, you know, my gut's right and sometimes it's completely wrong. Um, sometimes I'm way, I've been, um, I've learned that because I work in fashion, but I didn't know this in the beginning because I'm a small brand, I sometimes am ahead of the curve on things that are not mainstream and, and my brand isn't uh, probably, well, maybe it's more, maybe we're looked to more now for trends, but in the early days, people weren't looking to me for trends because they didn't know who I was. So, you know, you would have to be a large brand that that advertised to say, oh, you know, the um, matte nail is in, where I might've been doing matte nails and launched a matte top coat three years ago, but it, t it really took a big brand to do the same thing I was doing and advertise it for people then to go, oh, let me try this matte nail thing. So, uh, you know, of course, we're all competitive in the business and we all look at each other. Um, I will say that for the first at least 15 years, I never looked at other brands for inspiration. Um, and no one in my labs could ever understand how I did that. And I was like, because I, I really want this to be come from me. I, I feel like I feel like my sources are fantastic and um, I want to do it my way. And that could have that could have really, really backfired. Now I'm now I'm a little, you know, now that we're a larger company and stuff, we I I'm more, more open to seeing, you know, what um, what we should do. But, you know, we look at we look at what um, sells well for us. We look at what our customers are asking for in terms of color. Um, we ask we you know, we really study what's selling where and what um, what's, you know, what cities are people wearing most likely to wear this in or, you know, there's some places that like we we created a color once in the early days. So I'm a jazz singer. So my first the first couple of seasons, all the names of the colors were jazz songs. And I am a Miles Davis fan. So I created this really dark, shimmering red, really, really deep and sexy and kind of burgundy berry with a shimmer in it and I called it bitches brew because it was very famous Miles Davis very famous artist one of his most famous works and a lot of states wouldn't carry it not a lot of states a few cities wouldn't carry it because of the name 20 years ago um and then NARS came out with orgasm and the whole world changed anybody could call anything anything <laughs> but everything everything changes yeah that's so true everything is changing all the time and would you please tell us more about the gel lab pro sure so in the last um i don't know how many years now but in the last probably eight years or maybe it's even 10 years now um we've been seeing more and more like artificial nails became kind of a thing by the of the wayside for a lot of years and then they started coming back and um, gel manicures became kind of a, a hot thing where you would get this product put on your nails and you would stick your hands inside a 
machine to have it cured by either an LED light or some sort of an ultraviolet or an ultraviolet light. And um, those nails became very, very, very popular, but then women started disliking them because when they would take them off, they would have some damage to their nails. And so it was, um, so I went to, I create natural nail products, that has been my focus. So I worked with my, with my, with my chemist on creating a formula that would lay on the nail in a, in a slightly different way. So it lays on your nail kind of as if it's, um, it lays on as if like if you're looking at a screen, a, like a window screen and it lays on the nail. And then when you put the next layer on, there's all those little holes in the screen. The next layer fills in those little holes. So it grabs onto the nail better. And this is, um, it's an incredible formula that looks like it has sort of a that 360 shine, that plumpy shine that gels have. It dries very quickly. It lasts a lot longer than uh, regular nail lacquer, but it is, in fact, nail lacquer that doesn't need to be cured. It goes on like polish and it comes off like polish because it is polish. And so it is my healthy alternative to uh, a gel manicure that you put your hands in a light and have it cured or baked onto your nails. And that is the form. That is the formula that won the best nail polish formula in Allure magazine. Very, very proud of that. Wow, that's incredible! But you also have hand and feet care products. Would you please tell us more about them? Sure. So I think it's most. It's very, very important to do to have your nails um, completely groomed before you put polish on. And similarly to uh, makeup, you wouldn't want to wake up in the morning, not exfoliate your skin for a month and not hydrate your skin and put makeup on. If you put makeup on over skin after you just washed your face, it's not going to look right, right? You need to do those care steps. So I created um, all of the products that you need for the care of your nails and um, I continue to create those products. Those are our, where our biggest fan base, I would say is like really those replenishing products, the cuticle remover, my nail file that is out of recycled paper, my um, smooth operator buffer that is very gentle to the nails, my um, our base coats and top coats that treat different problems with the nails. We have um, fantastic things for the feet, for calluses. I was doing my husband's heels last night. I have a product called Get Off that is um, a callus softener. And then we have a foot scrub and we have a hand scrub and we are really, really, really have a very, very, very loyal fan base to to those products. And so that, you know, you want your nails to look great before you put the color on. Oh, that's nice. And what is your favorite quote that you live by? I've got um, for the brand, for talking to women about nail care, for talking to women about nail care, it's moisture, moisture, moisture. Can't get enough moisture in the in the skin for for life. It's you can do anything you set your mind to if i can do it anyone can i do love this quote a lot and thank you so much deborah for being my guest i'm so honored thank you thank you very happy very happy to have done this really appreciate it be careful there in georgia don't go out too much no i'm not going anywhere (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for listening not basic blonde podcast guys and that was all for today with red carpet celebrity manicurist and singer deborah lipman you can find her on instagram it's deborah lipman and you can download and listen to her songs on itunes 
Also, you can find me on Instagram, it's not basic blonde underscore or NBB podcast. And if you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.